Think big. Think positive. Never show any sign of weakness. Always go for the throat. Buy low, sell high. Fear, that's the other guy's problem. Nothing you have ever experienced can prepare you for the unbridled carnage you're about to witness. Right. Super Bowl, the World Series, they don't know what pressure is. In this building, it's either kill or be killed. You make no friends in the pits and you take no prisoners. One minute, you're up half a million in soybeans and the next, boom. Your kids don't go to college and they've repossessed your Bentley. Are you with me? Hello and welcome to Turner's Take Podcast. I'm your host, Craig Turner, author of Turner's Take Newsletter. Grain broker here at StoneX. I specialize in the grain and oil seed markets. And within the, the team here, we have experts in the energy markets, livestock and protein, interest rates, fertilizer, currencies. It's in the futures and commodity space. Um, we have someone for it. If you have any questions about what we do here, how we Work with clients, please give me a call. My number is 312-706-7610. You can also email me at craig.turner at stonex.com. If you like the podcast, please give us a positive review or pass it along who you think someone might like it. Uh, if you want to check out my newsletter, you can go to turnerstake.com. It will redirect you to the StoneX website. You should be able to sign up for the weekly newsletter for free. There is a premium version that is only available to clients and paying subscribers too. Um, that is, that's the intro there. Oh, I will be in Nebraska Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday at the Nebraska Ag Expo. If you're a client or you listen to the podcast and you just want to, you know, come up, please find us. Let me take a look at which, uh, which booth we're at here. All right, we'll be at. Booth location 3100 in the Innovation Hub on Pavilion 3. So that is Nebraska Ag Expo. So um, let's get into it here. Macro markets. Oh, things are chugging along. I think the Fed, you know, the market consensus here is Fed's going to stop raising rates. Uh, in, inflation has been pretty good uh, just in terms of it hasn't been going up. Um, where the rate of change hasn't been increasing. Inflation's still running 3 to 4%, depending what figure you look at. So it is 3 to 4% over last year, but that's a lot better than 5, 6, 7%. So prices are still going up, but not at the, the very aggressive rate that they were. I think the Fed likes to see that too. Um, there's no reason to cut interest rates, no reason to really... Uh, increase them right now either. So it looks like we're going to be in this environment for a while. Jobs growth or unemployment is fine. There's not a whole lot of drastic changes in that. And take a look at GDP. Some of the numbers are a little encouraging, though on term when it comes to like credit card debt and other metrics like that for like that center around the U.S. consumer, it's not so great. So um Kind of, it seems like we'll just slowly chug along here. So that's where we are on the macro side. When I take a look at the grain and oil seed side, there are some things we need to talk about here, and we'll probably need to kind of get ahead of. Uh, on the corn market, we've been talking about acres. There's been thoughts of 91 million acres. If you take a look at the USDA 10-year baseline, or the trend line, like they, you know, that's the economists, they have their 10-year 10, 10 outlook. You know, if you go past two or three years, I don't, 
I don't know what the value is there, but it is interesting to see where they are for the year and the next year and the year after, just to kind of get an idea of what the USDA economists are thinking. Um, if we had 94 million acres in corn this year, or I'm sorry, for 2024, and somewhere around a trend line yield or better, I mean, we're going to have over 3 billion carryout. Just don't, just don't see that. The market's going to have to price it. So we have corn does lose about three to 4 million acres. You know, some go, probably go into soybeans. You know, if we do get to 91 million acres, which seems to be the consensus out there in a trend line yield, we're still at a 2.6 billion carryout. We're at 2.1 now. So, so if we're at a 91 million acres corn, so that's 4 million less year over year trend line yield, still adding 500 million bushels to carry out end of the year. And that's not bullish for corn. That's why corn's the dog of the grain and oil seeds, you know, along with some of the wheat contracts here. Um, I've got to go to get us to adequate stocks. So if, here's the deal. If we had 91 million acres of corn and about a 170, uh, 176 yield, which would be around a 3% yield reduction, then we start having ending stocks the same year over year. So about 2.1 billion again. To get ending stocks for corn down to adequate slash tight levels where you can really run higher and get some big rallies, we've got to be at 89 million acres and like a 171 yield, which would be a 6% reduction of 6% lower on uh, from trend line. So that's what it takes. That's what it takes just to get back to being on the cusp of being tight. So that's not good. In my mind, that's actually bearish. And that is why we've been looking to sell corn. That's, we're not going to go on a straight line down. We'll have some weather rallies. We'll hang out these levels for a while. But if we're 91 million acres and trend line, it's just going to be a slow leak lower. If we're 92, 93 million acres corn and trend line, we can start hitting, you know, 3 billion and, you know, and it's just tough. So the rallies for this year, unless acres go sub 90 or yield is below 170, it's hard to get excited, which means rallies are probably selling opportunities in the corn market or, um, or other neutral option strategies that we talk about too. Um, and future spreads also. The future spreads probably are a sell on the rally also for the, the spec traders out there. Um, and that's where that's where we're looking at on the corn side. Um, with soybeans, it's the same. Uh, acres or it's with acres, it's the opposite. We've got 83.6 from this past uh, harvest. Um, if corn comes down to 91 million acres, you would think soybeans would eat, be 89. 89 million acres in a trend line yield, all of a sudden soybean stocks are over 400. Stocks usage 10%. Yeah, it, it, soybeans are still above 10 bucks, but they don't need to be $13, especially if South America is a pretty good crop, which remains to be seen, but they certainly could. We can't, still a lot of time left in the Brazil growing cycle and the weather's been getting better. If we only have 87 million acres, right? Let's say corn's 92, right? maybe say or 92 and a half and soybeans are 87 million 87 million acres planted soybeans which would still be three and a half better than last year 
and a trend line yield. And we're at about 250 on the carryout. So same year over year. Um, if we're at 85 million acres where we only add a million and a half and everything still stays with corn, corn goes from 94.9 to 93. Ending stocks get very tight, like sub 200 on the, on the soybean. So there's more room for error in corn, not as much room for error in soybeans. And that would lead me to believe that soybeans need to stay relatively high against corn. I want to say new crop beans to corn is at a 2.6 ratio. You know, when you get outside of the heart of corn and soybean country in the Midwest, you know, in Illinois and Iowa and some of the surrounding states are always going to rotate 50-50 corn, soybeans. You get outside of that, though, um, and you get more marginal ground um, or just a little bit lower productive ground. I think you will see the market's going to have to price soybeans accordingly to, a, to attract more soybean acres. And... I don't know if 2.6 does it. Um, from the conversations I have had, there is leaning towards soybeans. It's going to be a lower input cost, and that there's and listen, it's going to cost a lot to put that corn crop in, and a lot of corn is still unsold, right? So now you're going to be funding two years of corn crop here. So I get it, and I do think we, but you know, if soybeans to corn, 2.7. 2.8 I think it helps I think it I think that helps get the corn and soybean number more in line with the acres that we need that's my personal opinion we'll see how it goes but if I were gonna if I were gonna for a betting man I would think this new crop soybean price holds up better against the new crop corn it's again unless the acres unless something funky happens with those acres so We'll see how that goes. And as far as wheat, you know, what's planted is planted for winter wheat. We'll see what the winter wheat seedings are in January. But yeah, everyone has a you know a pretty good idea of where we are. And we'll probably come down a million or a million and a half on total wheat acres year over year. If we have a trend line yield, we're almost 800 on the carryout. If it's you know 47 million acres, and maybe we lose a little bit off trend line, like one and a half bushels or something like that uh we're still at a 700 ending stock so there's no the wheat market is likely i wouldn't call it tight it's definitely not burdensome it's it's somewhere in this adequate range with there's some risk for it to getting tight but because they're and also to the global when you take a look at major exporters of all the mar major markets corn soybeans and wheat uh, we are major exporters are improving their stock levels, improving their supplies on corn and soybeans. And that's not the case with wheat. Like you're still seeing the effects of production issues around the world and the Black Sea um, and, you know, basically Ukraine and not being able to maximize uh, their wheat production. Right. And you're and you are seeing that. And I think that's why the global, you know, when you take a, you know, there's the saying high prices cure high prices. And we're seeing that in corn. We're seeing that in soybeans. We're seeing that in wheat for let's you know for the United States, but we're not seeing that wheat globally. And it does kind of show a highlight there of the lingering, um, you know, at results of what happened in Ukraine and, and the Black Sea, or what's still ongoing. So when I take a look at um, 
like what we want to be doing going forward. If I'm a farmer, I think you got to use these rallies and corn to sell. I'll be writing about that. We could do it in the Farmer Direct program here at StoneX, where you can sell it through us. You know, give you the future based on the futures. It is tied to your cash bushels, but you still get to choose your delivery point, and you still have control of your basis. Um, so that's been attractive. We've had a lot more interest in that lately. I'm not surprised with new crop over five. I'm sure farmers will still want to shop around their basis, but lock in a price um, on the board at some point here. I think that on the soybean side, I can understand kind of taking a little bit of a wait and see approach, but uh, if South America has a big crop, you know, the risk in soybeans is it, go down, it goes down $2 between now and harvest. A lot of time between you know now and next October, but uh, you get the acres and you get a good South American crop. The ex we go from a tight balance sheet to an adequate balance sheet. And tight soybean out balance sheets mean 13, 14 new crop and maybe 15, 16 old crop. But adequate to burdensome levels, we all remember nine, $10 soybeans, right? And that, and that can happen when you have ending stocks around 400 and the stocks usage is around 10%. Something to keep in mind there. And the global wheat supplies are going to be tight between now and May, most likely. Russia's been... Kind of rattling cages here about talking about an export ban just because, I mean, let's face it, they probably have exported as much as they want to or getting close to it. And then by having an export ban, it keeps their domestic prices cheap because they don't have uh, basically their domestic grain companies shipping any further wheat out. So I wouldn't be surprised if that happens. I don't think it would have a major effect on the on the market. There still be wheat out there, but uh, it would might be a little bit higher priced, but there's, there wouldn't be a, a shortage or some kind of concern about not having enough for human consumption. I don't think that's that's pretty much off the table. So that's where we are on the wheat. Um, in Turner's Take Premium, we're going to start talking about kind of our hedge and spec ideas going forward. We just got done with my price projections for bullish, bearish, and neutral scenarios. Uh, for each month between now and December 24, I'll put that out in Turner's Take Premium too. Um, and yeah, that's kind of it's kind of where we are. I wish I could be bullish on the grain markets, but it's hard. And after three years of high prices, we're just going to be just the way it is. Like these cycles happen, and for all of you that have been around for a long time uh, and had seen you know, the rallies of the 2000s and the drought of 2012 and you know, the low prices of, you know, 15, 16, 17, 18, you know, the tariff wars did, and, you know, China having the, the swine flu that took out like 40% of their, their hogs over there. And, you know, then all of a sudden the big, the big, big rally for the past couple of years, like there is, a, you know, these, these things do go into cycles. And unfortunately we're coming into a downward cycle um, in grain and oil seeds. So we got, can't ignore it. We got to, you know, face it the best we can and move on. I think so, there's some interesting carry plays in the market too. Um, it's interesting, you know, we haven't seen carries in all the markets across the board since 2019, probably. Um, and, you know, I think selling the deferreds in some of these months uh, is, is interesting. There's some pretty interesting uh, wheat plays right now in that too. Um, I do want to talk about canola. We have a lot of Canadian clients. Here at Stonex uh, and in the Western Prairies, canola is a 
farmer favorite for, for planting and growing. Uh, listen, so I think after talking to some of our experts here and clients and people in the industry, two things are going to happen most likely. It, the crush for canola likely increases more than what Stats Canada is thinking, but exports are going to come down, which sounds like what the USDA does with all the other commodities. But it, it does look like that, and it looks like we could go from 10, 10 and a half crush on Canadian canola up to 11, 11 and a half. So, that, so demand increases by, let's say, 1 million metric tons, which is a big deal. However, the export pace is bad. Like I know we complain about it here in the United States. I think it's even worse for canola and Canada. They're really getting the short end of the stick here on the export market. And we could go from 8 million metric tons to 6 million metric tons. So at the end of the day, the balance sheets improve by a million metric tons. And if that's the case, we go from 1.5 million tons to 2.5 million tons that is a transition from this like adequate to tight level straight into burdensome and if that's the case then my concern is we could see a 10 to 15 percent drop in canola this year if we don't get that export demand now if that export demand starts coming in and they're buying someone's China or someone else is buying canola hand over fist, you know, then whatever I just said, you completely forget about. But if that doesn't happen, it's not like it hasn't happened yet. And it hasn't happening on corn and you know, we do we see some buying, but it's not gangbusters out there. It's just hard to argue for canola over seven hundred. And if it's a six million metric ton, my concern is we're getting closer to six hundred on the board in Canada as opposed to 700, which is where we are now. So that is now it's not going to happen today. And it's all about the export demand and you know, the crush is strong. The crush margins are strong. So that will increase it. The market has, I mean, you can make the case global oil seeds are transitioning. Where the United States and Canada will both be continuing to increase the crush and have the exports come down. Um, and, and that's certainly true. It's just that uh, Canola is in a little bit worse shape than um, than soybeans are right now. So my concern is the canola market. Um, that's something we got to keep an eye on. If you're a can, you know, if you are uh, a client at Stonex and you grow canola, you probably want to contact your advisor. Maybe uh, you know, what we could be doing here to protect the downside over the next couple of months. Uh, um, you know, and on the spec on the spec side, the, you can trade canola um, through stone x all right so that is that is gonna kind of wrap it up here the only thing i have about energy right now is the weather's been warm and if the weather's warm and demand's going to be low that is not good for natural gas and we've seen that natural gas is really taking it on the chin as far as energy markets are uh there's some you could make the some economists out there think there is more of a risk of recession in 2024 as there was in 2023, um, and a lot of it has to do with the consumer, how kind of the the slow growth and the non increasing in wages and opportunity, uh, you combine that with the increasing of prices and and large consumer debt and credit card debt is eventually going to catch up to the economy. Uh, and then that's got that's not great for crude oil. Like it looks like OPEC is kind of also miscalculated China's growth. They thought China would be 
coming out and being at a lot higher growth level than they are in Asia as a whole, and it hasn't been. So OPEC is probably, you know, it's going to try to cut. They're going to try to keep the price stable. To me, I think crude has some really strong support at 70. Not only does OPEC tend to get very aggressive at those levels with production, but the United States really, the United States needs to buy oil for the SPR. And if it can be 70 or even in the 60s, I think uh, I, yeah, you would think they'd be, they'd be buying there too. Um, cause there is a lot of oil they need to replace for the SPR. So, um, that is pretty much how, how we see the markets here. Energy is going to be choppy. Maybe you can do some value buying or take some shots in natural gas, but the weather is still warm. We need it. We need a cold shot to rally natural gas. Otherwise, if you're an end user, I mean, I would be locking some in here. Uh, this is, these are good energy prices. Same thing with the energy market. We have some weakness now. Uh, you get it's time to look at hedging costs for the spring and the summer of 2024, just in case we don't get a recession or we start getting growth, because um, energy prices are relatively are relatively stable at the moment. So that is where we are. If you have any questions for me, uh, you can contact me 312-706-7610. I will be in Nebraska Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. If you're in Nebraska and you're going to the to the show, please see me. I'll be at the Stone X booth. We'll have uh, and uh, what's the number on that again? It is number 3100-3100. I'll put it in the show notes too. And definitely come by and see me. So have a great weekend, everyone. And I will talk to you soon. This material is conveyed as a solicitation for entering into a derivatives transaction. This material has been prepared by a Daniel Trading broker who provides research market commentary and trade recommendations as part of his or her solicitation for accounts and solicitation for trades. Daniel's Trading, its principals, brokers, and employees may trade in derivatives for their own accounts or for the accounts of others. Due to various factors such as risk tolerance, margin requirements, trading objectives, short-term versus long-term strategies, technical versus fundamental market analysis, and other factors, such trading may result in the initiation or liquidation of positions that are different from or contrary to the opinions and recommendations contained therein. Past performance is not necessarily indicative of future performance. The risk of loss in trading futures contracts or commodity options can be substantial, and therefore, investors should understand the risks involved in taking leveraged positions and must assume responsibility for the risks associated with such investments and for their results. You should carefully consider whether such trading is suitable for you in light of your circumstances and financial resources. You should read the risk disclosure accessed at www www.danielstrading.com. Daniel's Trading is not affiliated with, nor does it endorse any trading system, newsletter, or similar service. Daniel's Trading does not guarantee or verify any performance claims made by such systems or services.